Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Raw Doll Retrospective. I'm Patricia. My name is Aaron. And uh, with us, because we couldn't do this one alone, we have uh, Jim Bevan. Welcome, Jim, to the Roll Doll Retrospective. Glad to be here for, uh, I had to say, it's kind of an auspicious film which I'm joining you on. I know. Uh, in a good way. <laughs> I guess so. And uh, with us uh, is uh, the guy behind uh, From Pages to Pictures. Uh, we have uh, James Sullivan, a.k.a. Hymetude. So welcome, James. Today's broadcast is brought to you by It's Not an Adaptation. whoop de frickin do <laughs> So yes, uh, today we are going to be discussing about the 2017 direct-to-video movie Tom and Jerry, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is based off of the 1973 movie of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which was based off of the 1964 book of the same name, yada, yada, yada. I, think, I don't think that we really need to go into introductions about this movie because when this trailer first came out, everybody pretty much just blew up out of proportion. It's like, oh man, what, why did, you know, out of all the adaptations from Tom and Jerry, you know, they did The Wizard of Oz, they did uh, Sherlock Holmes, and they did various things, but when they heard about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, everybody just blew their minds. I haven't seen this much hatred towards, like, an adaptation or a sequel or anything like that since I heard about The Christmas Story 2, and then everybody just started getting really angry about that, or The Ghostbusters 2016, but you know what? It's like, I don't really have anything to say about this introduction. So, uh, James, why don't you talk about your earliest memory of, an, of a Roald Dahl adaptation, or were you one of those people who read the books first before the adaptations? Actually, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was, was probably my earliest uh, Roald Dahl adaptation. Oh, okay. Um, I always remember it fondly. Uh, at, at, it's, it's kind of interesting. As a kid... I, I always found the second half of the movie more exciting than the first half. Ironically, I'd put it above uh, uh, stuff like The Wizard of Oz, but yeah. Um, over the years, I, I would, uh, I would uh, pick up and sort of dabble in other uh, Roald Dahl adaptations. Another one, another one of my favorites being uh, James and the Giant Peach. Right. And... Uh, yeah, I need to get that on Blu-ray now, too. And, <laughs> I'm sure it'll uh, be really nice on Blu-ray. Uh, some of the other adaptations out there that I uh, put in fairly high regard would be uh, uh, Matilda. But uh, I love The Witches. Mm -hmm. uh, the original. <laughs> I, I, yeah, because the, the newest one is called Roald Dahl's The Witches, not to be confused with The Witches. <laughs> I have yes. to put the name in there so we can differentiate the two. So uh, for some some god awful reason, she has less digits than the uh, the previous witch. Uh, we'll talk yeah. about that next month. Yeah, just just this and moving forward, it it, it seems like um, uh, oh, I'll get to that later, Jim. Yeah, sure, Jim. How about you? Well, uh, similar to James, my first experience with Roald Dahl's works was uh, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And, you know, I saw it at a very young age. I think it was either in kindergarten or first grade. And I was just, like, captivated by how charming it was. Just, mm -hmm. you know, all the different emotional impacts it could deliver. Uh, you know, great performances by Gene Wilder and Jack Albertson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I eventually did read the book and was amazed and was astounded by how much more, let's just say, uh, bizarre it was and not as heartwarming. But it was my introduction to... The works of Roald Dahl. I did enjoy the James and the Giant Peach movie. Um, 
I got the Roald Dahl Revolting Recipe book at a Scholastic Book Fair once when I was younger and tried to oh. make it. <laughs> I actually read an article regarding about that Revolting Recipe book. Believe it or not, Lissy Dahl wanted to have a, you know, a cookbook based off of Roald Dahl recipes, like from the books, like, you know, the split pea soup from the witches and, you know, all those kind of things. And, you know, he's like, I don't think I, that would be possible because here's the thing, like Roald Dahl is very stingy when it comes to like the depiction of food. It's like he likes it. I mean, he even said in one of the earliest days he's ever been on, I don't know if it was with Lissy or with Patricia Neal, his first wife, he's like, I'd rather be dead than fat or something. And, you know, he had this like really strong, you know, depiction about how he would betray fat people, which we saw with like Augustus Gloop and Bruno yeah. and Bruce Bogtrotter. So yeah, the reason why that book even existed was because this was after Roald Dahl's death. Yeah, so basically Dahl's take on food is like Lovecraft's take on... Uh cosmic horror it he just prefers to leave it up to the viewer's imagination sure fair enough which is which is why but, the color yeah. purple is not frightening thank you nicholas cage yes thank uh, you <laughs> yeah but no but i haven't really read the, i haven't really experienced that much more of uh doll's work um i've i didn't see the johnny depp charlie and the chocolate factory remake okay because uh, it just didn't interest me and it just seemed too quirky fair enough I still need to get around to watching the the witches remake. I never saw the original. I did read a section of I did read a segment from the first book in uh, in a collection of humorous stories. And learning that all female that all the witches are bald women kind of got me very interested. I had it, and I regret putting it off for too long. Yeah, I, I could see that. Sure. I was just and I just have to say regarding this latest movie. Uh, why did you make me watch it, Patty? I thought we were friends. <laughs> You know what? Now you're even like letting me regret it because I, I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, is it that bad? But here's the thing. like, I No, not, not the witches, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, 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 oh. I was like, okay. Like, yeah. I, okay. First of all, I feel your pain because yeah. I had to watch it too because I had never seen it. Like the trailers and all the discussions that I've seen online. I mean, even with like our buddies uh, at Toongrin, Why Boy and Nero, when they talked about this movie, they were like, their face was just full of regret. Anyway, so joining in on the call is uh, Eli, a.k.a. the Cartoon Hero, a.k.a. the Hero of Tomorrow, a.k.a. a whole bunch of other names. So, hey, what's up, Eli? Not much. Just I know, trying you're... to get used to this. <laughs> what's up, Eli? Hey, Eli. Hey. Yeah, I'm... anyway, so, yeah, we're just getting started with our long discussion about this. Before we get into this uh, this mess, let, let me some quickly sum up with uh, one lyric of a famous song. Do you want yeah, me to, go, do you want me to sing it? it? Okay. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Oompa, doompa, dippity dap. Who the hell came up with this crap? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, seriously. Like you will live in regret, too, if you... Add Tom and Jerry to the stew. Uh, you know, I, I have no idea who came up with this. Like, I, I mean, I understand that, um, you know, Tom and Jerry and, you know, uh, I guess with, you know, the, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, you know, 
uh, it's, it's based off of Warner Brothers. I, I get that. And, you know, it, it's actually kind of like really disgusting with the fact that they released this movie shortly after Gene Wilder had passed away in 2016. And then they were like saying, oh, uh, this is a movie that's supposed to honor Gene Wilder. And so. No. Yeah. No. 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 You want to know what they should what they should have done if the if that was the plan? Sure. What is it? Although this could have this could very well have come across as insulting. Uh, you know how at the you know how at the uh, end of the movie we go into Wonka's uh, uh, office and everything and everything's in half and there's yeah, a statue. Yeah, I, I, there's yeah. a bust on, There's a bust sitting on his uh, on his desk and whatnot. Sure. If they wanted to honor Gene Wilder somehow, do something like make that half of Bust a a, a, a a perfect representation of Gene Wilder's head and have this version of Wonka look up there and say, I wonder what my father would do or something Ooh, like that. Ooh, that's actually really interesting. I like that idea. I mean, they didn't do it. So, uh, in, that regard, in, in that regard, I am willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because it takes a while to make an animated movie so they, I don't think they could possibly have known that Gene Wilder would die when they released this. I guess that's and, true, sure. I mean, that's fair, fair I, enough. I do realize that it's an unfortunate coincidence, and it definitely does add to the sting of this movie because there are a lot of things wrong with it. Yeah, like, okay. The thing I struggle to, to with this conversation is like, what's right with this movie? Oh, wow. Uh, well, okay. Most, well, most of the voice acting is pretty good. Yes, I, I will say so. that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I would uh, say that, you know, the people that really stood out to me personally as like, oh, wow, you know, that this, has, this isn't like complete dumpster fire. I mean, I do like that Jess Harnell was able to portray as Grandpa Joe. I mean, he almost was spot on, very similar to what the portrayal of Jack Albertson. And, you know, he also did a good job singing the Candyman song. And, you know, you have uh, various other, you know, well-known established actors such as Kate Higgins and Sean Schimmel. Goku. Yes, Goku. That's right. The voice of Goku is in this Willy Wonka, the Chocolate Factory amputation. I don't know. Like, I, I just felt like the. Uh, I mean, I kind of disagree. Like, uh, I just felt like the whole thing just felt really flat. Well, here's the thing. We know that these actors are amazing. Like, they are top of the line voice actors. I mean, we have Mick Winger, Jeff Bergman, and Kath Susie, Jim Ward. I mean, all of these people are fantastic. I I'm think not saying they're not talented, but it just it feels like you know uh, um, when you say when you put it up against the original, like uh, I mean, the original uh, songs that were that were done in the uh, in the in the Gene Wilder movie. I just I would prefer them a hundred, a thousand times over uh, oh, what yeah. we got in See? this. I just felt like uh, it just felt like you know. Um, after they did like one take, he's kind of felt like, uh, you know, guys, could you like, can we do like a couple of extra takes just to see, uh, you know, if we could like maybe make it a little bit better? And, uh, and one of the other things that's kind of off putting as well is that, you know, they filmed the songs on set. And so you can kind of like hear like how it's kind of like a, a theatrical production. So there's more theatrics in the, uh, in the, in, the, in the Gene Wilder version than there is in the cartoon. You're like, do you remember in the Fantastic Mr. Fox when they basically filmed, like, everything, like, within, like, a house and, like, outside and things like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they like, they filmed the everything in real... Yeah, they yeah. filmed everything in real time. You know, they went over to a farm, they went outside, they went inside to the sewers and the pipes so that they can be able to get the authenticity. 
Yeah, I mean, like in regards to in regards to Roald Dahl films, there's a standard that's been set, and I just feel like uh, there needs to be far more like world building going on here, and far more like atmosphere that needs to go into these movies as well. I mean, that, that's one of the things that the BFG sort of, you know, the, I'm talking about the new one, not the 1982 version. Even then, there's some aspects in that movie that got some things right. I just felt like in this movie, you know, it just uh, it felt like kind of like a very flat cartoon that just kind of like uh, was straight to DVD as it was. Sure. And, and here's the thing, like Aaron and I, we've gone through this entire retrospective and we talked about many adaptations of movies that were already established. Like we talked about 36 hours and then we talked about Breaking Point. We talked about, um, you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and we talked about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and we talked about both of the BFGs. So we be quite honest, all three of the adaptations have their strong points, but none of them have been able to match the whimsy or the atmosphere of the original. Like, Breaking Point was incredibly boring and dull and everything that they added new to it was just a complete insult to the original. Uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Now, I know a lot of people have issues with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I completely understand it, especially for those who grew up with the original. But you cannot say that, oh, at least I didn't try to make it as close to the book as possible. And yeah, th there's some things that were questionable, but at least they were trying to deviate from the original Willy Wonka, because as we all know, people such as Johnny Depp and uh, Tim Burton and various other people did not like the original, and they wanted to stick close to the original book with Lissy Doll's Wishes. And then with the BFG, we, you know, one was animated with Cosgrove Hall and the other one was a mixture of live action with CGI with Disney and Steven Spielberg and he's known for his whimsiness. So, mm -hmm. you know, they were all able to do something different, but at the same time, they kept the integrity of these. Tom and Jerry, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory does not. In fact, it is literally like a shot for shot <laughs> remake of the original. I mean, it's like, what is even the point of this even existing other than it's animated and Tom and Jerry's in it? It's like one of the. It feels really weird. It's like it's kind of like uh, you know. It's like I'm, I'm trying to find a really good analogy for it. It's like uh, got, it's like oh, yeah. if you have like. Oh yeah. What, what is what is it, Jim? Go ahead. I was gonna say it's like an amateur fanfic where someone just takes the script or the story already existing and then just inserts an original character in without changing anything else. Oh, no. It's, 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 it's crossover like, like fan Nintendo fiction. decided that, oh, hey, you know, uh, do you know what uh, everyone's really gasping for at the minute? A crossover Princess Breach and the Creeper from Minecraft. Like, no. it was like uh, no one's asking for that, but hey, it all works in Smash Brothers, so let's just do it for this. It's like, no. Okay, um, well, I, I, I think that we're getting off topic. Let's just yeah. get, go ahead. In in the in regards to the voice acting that Aaron brought up a minute ago, sure. I think that my my theory regarding the performances is that I think it has something to do with the direction. Like most of them were told to get. It seems I don't have any proof of this, but it feels like in the when it comes to the direction, they were told to act as close to the original movie as possible. Pretty which, much. which again, just begs the question of why are you making a new movie if you're just going to ape the original? And I and I will admit that a lot of the that a lot of the voice actors, while some of them don't sound exactly like the originals, I think that, like you mentioned, people like Jess Harnell do a great job. I think the only notable exception when it comes to that is uh, not Slugworth. <laughs> who just yeah. who basically uh, 
like like you mentioned, like uh, Patricia mentioned, he is voiced by Mick Winger, who is a professional voice actor. But the thing, but the way they, the way he performs this character is completely over the top, and it's very at odds with how not Slugworth was portrayed in the movie. Sure. He, because because I guess they didn't think that the kids would realize that he was the villain if he didn't act like a cartoony over the top villain, or at least that's what we're meant to think he is. Yeah, but here's the thing: it's like you see in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. In fact, yeah, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It is true that Slugworth does portray as like really sneaky, and you know he tries to offer all of the kids, "Hey, if you steal the everlasting gobstopper, then I'll give you this and stuff like that." But you know, he was only in those portions of the film. He wasn't everywhere, like, or he was, like, speaking to Spike, and it's like, you know, uh, we're gonna do this and this and that, and then, you know, we're gonna have Charlie, you know, do this, and then the that's, chocolate factory's gonna have a new owner, and then he has this people. That's what I was about to bring up, because in this movie, they actually give Slugworth a villain song, which is just aping Veruca's song from later in the movie. I, you know Wait, what? Yeah, I'm so, I don't understand I'm so, why they did that. I don't understand it. I am and so, he's singing it to Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Who aren't the who? I would understand this a little bit better if he were actually singing this to Charlie. Actually, no. Now that I think about it, that, doesn't make sense either. <laughs> I was why is it a psychedelic? I, mean, uh, I don't think we're going to find any sense here, guys. So we might as well just go. We're not. We're but, not going to find any sense in here. So it, I mean, it's pretty much. I guess you know because we already talked about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I guess let's mostly focus on the Tom and Jerry segment. I will say, because uh, yeah, here's because yeah. here's the thing. I get because it it has something because it has to do with the podcasts of at least of this part, at least of this, this uh, particular series that I've been on. Yeah. I know that I'm an animation critic and therefore I kind of get pigeonholed into only talking about the animated movies. Mm -hmm. But the thing, but the thing is, and I, and I'm grateful for being invited on here, but the thing is, if you, the thing is my close friends definitely know this about me. I could never go into this movie non-biased because I love the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. For a while, I really hated the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory version, but watching this, I'm looking back and like, you know, maybe you weren't as bad as I thought you were. Just yeah. like, if, if nothing else, ah. it does help me appreciate the other versions more. Well, I, I didn't think uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was overly terrible. I just thought Johnny Depp was basically just stuck out like a sore thumb. So like uh, that was that was my major major complaint with uh, with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Everything else I seem to be pretty 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 content with. But you know, yeah. in regards to what they're doing here in in this, they're basically shoehorning in um, Tom and Jerry. And uh, by the way, if we're going to talk about the gags in the Tom and Jerry, this, this kind of reminded me not of like the uh, original classic uh, series that uh, you know took place you know in theaters and things like that. I, I'm, it seems to be more kind of like uh, the later episodes that weren't as good. If you feel like that, because there's one, there's one gag in there where uh, Jerry hangs it, hides in the can, and Tom picks it up, and for some strange reason, a brick just falls out of it. It makes no sense. No. Uh, this and this is uh, and this is a, an interesting uh, point that you that you brought up. See, I, I can uh, I, I can I can attest uh, uh, towards being uh, a fan of Tom and Jerry since I was like uh, nine years old, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I grew I grew up watching uh, the original shorts, Tom and Jerry Kids, yada yada yada. I even had the 1992 film on on VHS. 
Oh, okay. It was a guilty pleasure. And um, so I look at this, and the guy who directed this, uh, Spike Brandt, he was part of a team with uh, Tony Cervone uh, back when back when they were doing Tom and Jerry Tales together, which I actually thought was a good show. I thought it um, went back to basics in terms of what made uh, Tom and Jerry work. Mm-hmm. But this, I think the main problem here is is that it's a it's a corporate decision uh this uh, this whole movie and that's why it, it comes across as being uh, uh completely uninspired if not partially sure there's a scene in this movie and this is where tom and jerry is right now uh, and you know, there's a scene in this movie where they're basically trying to um you know entertain like a group of people to try and get money for the wonka bar and everyone just kind of like says oh we'll just walk away and uh, that's where Tom and Jerry is right now. They're basically just kind of like singing and dancing on a street corner and uh, no one's paying attention. <laughs> that's a perfectly good uh, analogy right there. This is why moving forward outside of maybe the BFG and, and whatnot, there has to be some sort of law put forward in Hollywood saying thou shalt not make any more uh, Roald Dahl adaptations. But for anybody who's seen the trailer for the live action Tom and Jerry movie, I'm kind of wondering if that should be the same thing as well. It's like, you know, you have these franchises that have been going on for a very long time. And it's just like, you know, what more can you add to it? I mean, sure, you can go back to basics. I mean, they did that with Looney Tunes, which is on HBO Max. But that's because they've played around with it so many times that they were able to, you know, differentiate it with like one being a sitcom, one about superheroes, one that's baby form. And, you know, then finally they decided to go back to basics. And then, you know, we're going to have the second Space Jam movie coming out in 2021. So, you know, they've experimented. Uh, Same thing with like, um, you know, the Mickey Mouse shorts. I mean, they've experimented a lot. You know, they went from House of Mouse, then they went to the Mickey Mouse Playhouse, then they went to um, then the newer Mickey Mouse shorts where they have like a different style of drawing. That's like, I don't know whether I can call it like, interesting depictions of these characters that we've known for over 80 years but i'm still not sure about how i feel about it but at least it's different uh, with tom and jerry yes they have done a lot of things you know there were there was a tom and jerry kids a tom and jerry tales and then they have like, all these directed video movies but there hasn't really been a lot that's different from that what they've been known for for the longest time. And, and that's another problem with this movie. There's nothing here that's different from what Tom and Jerry has given us over the last uh, 100 years. I, I, all I know is, is that um, out of all of the newer adaptations of movies from previous uh, movies that we have been talking about in this retrospective, this is the worst one we've seen so far. I mean, it's worse than Breaking Point. It's worse than Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's worse than the 2016 BFG. Again, I have not seen Roald Dolls the Witches yet, so I cannot say for sure, but hey, at least I know that they're going in a completely different direction. It's, you know, 1960s Alabama. It features an African-American cast, and at least they're changing it up a bit. But this one they haven't done really much of anything i mean there are some different scenes like you were mentioning before about like when slugworth was singing i wanted now and then there's like additional scenes with like tom and jerry where they're trying to decide on okay we're going to steal the bar to give it to charlie but then charlie says no don't steal it bring it back to the chocolate factory and then uh you know you have scenes of them in the um, in the there's a minecart scene which mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of tiny tune adventures how i spent my summer vacation where buster and babs are trying to get away from the serial killer and all these oh, things it's 
I mean, other than that, it's just like, we're just going to talk about the movie again. I mean, other than just, oh, we have Tom and Jerry in here. I mean, the one thing that I thought was pretty funny was, you know, the, the depiction of like the fifth uh, golden ticket winner was Droopy. And I thought that yes. was funny. How is it that this, everyone I talked to watches this as, uh, yeah, that was the only good joke. Yeah, that, 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 because you never expected it. It's like, oh, uh, you know, Droopy's in this movie. You know, where's Scurry Squirrel? Where's any of the other characters? Oh, it's just Tom and Jerry and then Droopy for like two seconds? Okay. I didn't oh, even, you know how, I don't even remember it, seeing it, Barney Bear walking around in the background somewhere. Uh, He's usually in there. Yeah. yeah. Like, you remember how in the movie, the picture they used for the fake golden ticket winner was actually a stock photo of a Nazi war criminal? Does that mean that Droopy is wanted by the head? Oh no! <laughs> I hope not. The whole here. Like, uh, like he here's the thing. I like Tom and Jerry, and I love the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But this is not a peanut butter and chocolate situation. These are not two great tastes that go great together. This is like peanut butter and fish. Like when you see the the recreations of the scenes from the scenes from the original movie, and then you juxtapose that with the original scenes that they add in for Tom and Jerry, the tones do not match at all. Like they're like it's really it's really shoehorning the characters in. I will say though, that actually does lead to probably the one other scene in this movie that I kind of love, but it's on a, but it's a kind of in an ironic way. As a brief aside to, this isn't part of the Roald Dahl retrospective, but it's part of the Tom and Jerry part of this retrospective. But basically this isn't, obviously this isn't the first time that they've tried this with the Tom and Jerry crossover movies. There was also, Tom and Jerry meets the Wizard of Oz, which came out before this. And mm -hmm. in that movie, I would argue that the role that they put, the role they put in for Tuffy, was a lot more annoying than his, than their role in this movie. But because in this movie, they actually gave the the creepy ass Willy Wonka tunnel scene to Tuffy. And it's so bizarre and weird to hear Tuffy the Mouse say hell. It just it yeah. actually it actually cracked me up. Some of the and some of the faces in this I will say, if you're not familiar with the animation process, and I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to the audience as well. But basically, the you've seen the the uh, memes floating around of I paused this movie at the wrong time. Which you, which you take a which you see in which you see bizarre things happening in animated movies that you don't catch unless you pause at exactly the right frame. That's usually a side effect of something called uh, of something that happens during the animation process. Like the derpy eyes. The short version of this is there are these two different types of animation that go on during the process of animating a character. There are the extremes, which are the main poses that the character is that the character is drawn into, and in between that you have the in-betweens, which are just which are drawings where you basically have to where where you move a character from one extreme to the next, and because the in-betweens aren't shown for a lot of for a lot of time, sometimes there's a lot of things that happen like motion blur and stuff like that that makes it look weird. But in this movie, every freeze frame in this movie is like that. 
the the expressions are just bizarre. Like there's like in a like this was a this was a time when there was a dearth of two D and of two D uh, a drought of two D animated movies, and in a, and in one of the few times that we actually got one, it we're we're treated to animation that looks like this, and it's just. The expressions are weird. It feels like almost every still frame, especially those involving the human characters, could reach out of the screen and kill you. And it just, it's just, and, but I actually think that it kind of works to the movie's advantage during the tunnel scene because you see Tuffy making these weird, creepy expressions while they're singing the creepy tunnel song, and it actually works to the scene's advantage. I kind of crack up laughing at it, even uh, yeah, though it's for the okay, wrong it, reasons. It, it is just one of those, it's like, uh, try not to laugh kind of situations where you kind of like look at it and see how ridiculous everything is, and then you can't help but just kind of like crack a smile. I, I do feel guilty laughing at that scene. Well, so it is probably like one of my favorite parts of the movie. But putting that that scene aside, you know, does anyone else feel that like the colors in this movie are a bit obnoxious? Like it's just too colorful to like kind of like take in and take seriously. Yeah, yeah. Blanca knew how to balance bright with drab. I mean, it made the city scenes look so bleak and dreary because then you had the contrast of when you finally enter the factory and see how wonderful it is, how bright and cheerful. I would turn around to the animators and say, guys, have you ever heard of contrast correction? You know, when you kind of like make it so it kind of like all blends together in like a, a, a suitable way. And it's just, it's, uh, the, I, I hate it staring at it. I really did. Well, what they're trying to do here, I think with this, with this film was, uh, was take the styles, the stylings of the original uh, movie and, mesh that style with they were doing with Tom and Jerry at the time. That's why, unfortunately, like you said, the colors come the color scheme comes across as being oversaturated and obnoxious. Yeah. So it, it would have worked if it was like installing four curl on three and uh, like was just like in like standard definition. In high definition it just uh I can't stand it. I really can't. Yeah. Well everything looks better in high definition, don't you know? <laughs> yeah. That's you think that's bizarre. bad? Watch it in 4K. <laughs> oh, oh god, it, it, it kind of reminds 4K. me of that. I didn't even want to imagine that. It kind of reminds me of when you know they took the the classic Popeye uh, cartoon, you know, the one with the um, Popeye and the uh, Sinbad the Sailor, and they decided to make it 4K with 60 frames per second, and you have that scene in which Popeye's walking into the cave. It looks so weird and jarring just looking at it because it's not meant to look like that. With 60 frames per second, it's just like it's too smooth, it's too quick. It's too colorful. It just looks weird. They actually did that. Oh god. Yeah. Go, go uh, look. At, don't. I, I. I mean. I would do it. Like look it up at your own caution. Like I say, Akira in 4K and 60 frames per second sort of makes sense. So yeah, the old Popeye cartoons do not. Yeah. Anyway, but like, let me think if there's anything else that I can talk about that isn't from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, other than that, you know, you have that music video with Slugworth, uh, the I Want It Now, then you have some moments where Willy Wonka saying, oh, is there a cat in this factory? I don't like cats. And then Tuffy's like, oh, I'm a Oompa Loompa intern. It's like, I know everything about the factory. It's like, okay. If you know everything about the factory, then how did you know that Slugworth is not Slugworth, but Mr. Wilkinson, who is Willy Wonka's assistant? How, I mean, Tuffy should have known that because, you know, that's, his, that's Willy Wonka's assistant, if he knows everything about the factory. 
It's like that should have been something that he would have known about. And then mm-hmm. there's also um, he was the in scene. On it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. And there's then there's... Quick, I found a plot hole. <laughs> if, if we were to describe a cheese of, of the plot holes of this, it's like Swiss. And then there's also like you have. Not a really large plot hole. Oh my god. And, and then there's the also <laughs> my god. Then there's also like the fact that um you have Spike uh you know like being you know eating the gum and then he turns into a giant blueberry and then he's back to normal, which I mean I know in like they didn't show this in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. We just assume that, you know, Violet, when they squeezed her off into the squeezing um section of the factory, that maybe she turns back to normal. I mean they I know in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, she remains as a blueberry color, like you know, like she's you know, her skin is blue, everything around her is blue for the rest of her life. And then you have the scenes in which when, oh, uh, we're going to go into the TV room and we're going to shrink you up. And it's like, you have moments in which like Tom and Jerry and Tuffy and they just play around with the controls and then they switch bodies and they shrink, they grow and all that kind of stuff. And then they're perfectly fine. It's like, so there's like no repercussions with them, but then there's repercussions for the human characters. Nothing makes sense. Uh, The blueberry scene you've brought up actually kind of makes a, uh you've made kind of an interesting point there they have uh, we know they had to roll her down to the juicing room but with uh with spike the guard they just stick him in a they just stick him in a rubber band a, a machine and and have him sweat it off what uh that's what I, that's what happened here it was like some sort of uh rubber like, belt one of the, they, like one of those old uh like one of those old exercise machines that they showed in the from the 30s and 40s where you had that like elastic band strapped around and it would vibrate and it was supposed to like help melt the fat or something yeah like yes i i don't i don't understand so it's like is he sweating off the blue i i don't know it's, i think we just also how how dated does it make this movie that they're basically using kind of like uh, gags that probably would have been around at the time that tom and jerry were in their prime now here's the thing like i don't mind if they do throw that kind of stuff in if you're trying to do a period piece like you know i mean we've made the argument Aaron, multiple times when we watch these movies it's like what year does this movie take place i mean we've asked that with um willy wonka and the chocolate factory james and the giant peach matilda fantastic mr fox we don't know what year these take place in and that doesn't matter because the story and the character portrayals and everything about it just makes it timeless i mean the peanuts movie they still have the rotary phones even though it came out just a few years ago they're still kept the integrity of peanuts it's like you know you have a problem when you know when you see like old um equipments that would probably be used at that time and you know it fits well with whatever time period they're in and you don't really think about it that much it just it just builds up with the scenery and the atmosphere but then when you're looking at it it's like oh that doesn't really fit in this time period and then you're like oh that that doesn't take place in modern time it just kind of makes it like really weird I mean, you have like all this modern mm-hmm. computers in one st- place, and then you have oh, uh, we have you know these old-fashioned uh, exercise machines in another. It's like it, it it clashes, and that's the problem. And yeah, I mean, other than that, it's basically the same thing as the the Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory movie. You might as well just watch that, and you don't even bother with this movie. I, I don't have literally anything else to say because it is literally Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with just Tom and Jerry in it they make one or two changes and it doesn't really make sense in the whole run and that's it i got nothing yeah i mean what do we think mm-hmm. about charlie in this movie um he's uh, unfortunately derpy eyed yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and he suffers from a bad case of every time every time he uh, smiles, he looks like he's about to seduce a piece of chocolate or kill his whole family. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, he, he's, well he's not that. animated well. I'll definitely tell you that. His smile still has nothing on Willy Wonka's smile at the end of the movie, though. <laughs> there there are so many I'll, I'll scenes in this movie. Like, seriously, like, you see Veruca Salt, where she has, like, that mean kind of, um, you know, grin. And then you have um, Violet Beauregard, where she goes cross-eyed when she's introducing herself to Willy Wonka. There's, oh, yeah. like, a lot of weird scenes. It's, it's like what you were saying earlier. It's like you can pause through the movie. You can find a really, really awkward-looking face. Deviant art animation. Oh God! Well, I was just thinking. On top, I mean, obviously, the, I mean, we know the animation is terrible. I think we can all, I think we could all agree on that. But uh, I mean, in regards to, I, I know we have some differences over the voice acting. But in regards to like uh, Charlie, in regards to his voice actor, I mean, uh, how do we rank him between like uh, the other Charlies that have come come before him? I'd say he's probably no offense, but he's definitely on the low end. Yeah, he's definitely on the low end. I mean, at least Freddie Highmore, you know, I know some people call him bland and all that kind of stuff, but at least he had a different personality to Charlie as opposed to like Peter Ostrom's portrayal of Charlie in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But here it's like, I don't really remember too much about this character. And, you know, then you have, um, you know, all the other, you know, portrayals. Like, you know, how would we rank Willy Wonka, for example? I mean, how would we take Gene Wilder and Johnny Depp and then J.P. Carly? How are we to compare that their Willy Wonkas? It's like JP Carliac is not a very good Willy Wonka. I'm sorry. He's not even trying to trying to be Gene Wilder, I, which everybody else in here was clearly picked because they could mimic uh uh or at least try to be like the uh, uh the roles that they're that they're coming from. I guess there's no replacement for Gene Wilder. He no. is Oh. Dime store Gene Wilder, basically. Yeah. <laughs> He's a Diet Coke Gene Wilder. Uh, Let's just be glad they didn't try to honor Gene Wilder by making Tom and Jerry blazing saddles. Oh, <clears throat> no. <laughs> you know, that's going to be, at some point, they're going to take another Tom and Jerry property and put them into something else. It's like, I think Saberspark made that joke. It's like, Tom and Yo. Jerry meets Shawshank Redemption or something. I don't know. Yo, where are all the white pussy cats at? Of <laughs> <laughs> yours, kitten. <laughs> the mayor, the mayor pulls Tom over. Have you lost your mind? Can't you see that man is a sorry, wrong person? Oh my god! <laughs> uh, Warner Brothers, don't, don't, don't listen to us, please. Mm. <laughs> well, we, well, they already, uh, well, they already had some artists out there uh, uh, do a uh, do Tom and Jerry the Shining just as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Here's Tommy. Jerry and Friday the Thirteenth. Oh no! Uh, oh, here's one that could work: Tom and Jerry and Scooby Doo. I mean, they're both Hanna Barbera properties. That should have been. That, that, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, you had, a, you had him pair up with Johnny Quest. Why not go for the obvious one? Um, <laughs> really? I just oh my god! Johnny, I, I cannot the believe Johnny that Quest we're... one was actually not so bad either. And yeah. At least in my book. Sure. They I mean, actually had an original story to go with. Oh mm -hmm. wow, what a concept! I know, right? Oh my gosh. Tell you what, I've uh, I've got an interesting uh, crossover. Um, Tom, Tom and Jerry's Bad Fur Day. No, <clears throat> no, we're oh, not going there. Okay, I do not. Tom want and Jerry and Bird Dimmick. <laughs> <laughs> Tom and Jerry meet Fritz the Cat. Ah, I can see that. 
see that. I, I, I actually like that idea. I mean, if we're being honest, we already have a live-action Tom and Jerry movie. It was called Mouse Hunt. <laughs> there you go. There we go. We, we cleaned ourselves. Okay, good night, everybody. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, I'm, I, let, let's just wrap this up because, literally, we have nothing to say about this movie. Just don't watch it. I mean, watch the original Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory. Watch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Read the book. Or if you want to see an animated Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, then wait for the upcoming series with Taika Waititi. I mean, I'm sure that that will be a lot better than this. Oh, that's that's who's uh, tackling the new. That's who's tackling the new adaptation. Yes, he is. Yeah, Taika Waititi oh. is doing not only the Willy Wonka, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory animated series, but he's also doing a spinoff featuring the Oompa Loompas. Because be- um, Netflix has the rights to do the adaptations of Roald Dahl books now. Well, that should be interesting. I look forward to seeing what uh, Taika comes up with. Yeah. Well, one last question I would like to ask to everybody. Who comes off worse in this movie? Um, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory or Tom and Jerry? Willy Wonka. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Because happy. Yeah, Tom and Jerry are pretty much just playing themselves. It's not their fault that they're shoehorned into this movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's yes, true. the actual actors themselves, known as Tom and Jerry, and not uh, not the team of animators behind it. Yeah, they're yeah. actually real yeah. cat and mouse, right? Yeah, you, you get my meaning. So. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but yeah, I mean, just remove Tom and Jerry from the picture, and literally almost nothing would have changed. So it's mm-hmm. like, what's even the point of having Tom and Jerry in there if they're so, so you know they're they're not even sequential to the overall story, other than just a few minor scenes. So yeah, there's, I mean, like. There, it's a pretty much, you know, I mean, it's not even a Tom and Jerry movie because it's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory just with Tom and Jerry in it. So there's, I mean, there's no reason for this movie to even exist at this point. So, yeah, I, I, I I will say one thing on this movie's behalf, and it's, I, I, I do realize that the timing of it was awkward coming out just after Gene Wilder died. But it is still less scummy than what Nickelodeon did with Sponge Out of Water after Steven Hillenburg died. Oh, God, yeah. Everybody's been requesting me to talk t- talk about Sponge Out of, uh, what was it? It's a wonder, no, uh, Sponge Out of Water or something. And, and I'm like, for- I, yeah, something like that. And I'm like, I can't because the movie, even though it's out on uh, Netflix in Canada and a whole bunch of other countries, it's not out on uh paramount plus until next year and people are like what's your thought of it it's like i need to actually sit down and watch it right before i can say anything but i know why this movie exists is because you know they want to do the camp coral spinoff series and steven hillenberg didn't want to do that so yeah i'll definitely talk about that much later on so I, i've not seen a spongebob squarebounds mm-hmm. movie since the first one with david hasselhoff uh, i saw the second one and i just thought it's it's fine yeah that's pretty much it yeah okay well listen i just want to thank you guys so much for coming on by i really do appreciate it yeah it was fun getting to rag on this uh god-awful movie yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay so yeah go ahead guys Uh, plug and promote your stuff um i guess i'll go first um i'm james Sullivan, aka hi maytude uh come to my channel for uh, uh for from pages to pictures original song covers and uh, my hunt, my regular high Tooth series, but also uh, stay tuned at my at my Twitch channel uh, every every weekend, mostly on Saturdays, uh, where me and my get more and my me and my festive gang, the Driving Mutants, like to like to riff on some of our favorite movies. Okay. Okay. I'll, I guess I'll go next then. 
I'm known on YouTube and Patreon as the Hero of Tomorrow, and on Twitter at Cartoon Hero Guy. You can find me. You can find me there. And for for my reviews that can't go on YouTube, you can follow my blogspot at theherooftomorrow.blogspot.com. And that's and I mostly do animation and occasionally video game reviews. Right now, I'm working on Patreon requests mostly, but I'm still occasionally doing the reviews that I want as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Jim? Uh, I'm Jim Bevan. Uh, I have an Instagram page, jbevan1985, where I post various things, uh, mostly pictures of things I find interesting, uh, what I bake, artwork I commission, and I also do some writing over on Manic Expression about various topics. I've got a piece coming up soon, which uh, will probably be a part of the upcoming Red Ribbon Reviewers project on the of my 10 favorite Phineas and Ferb episodes. Uh, I'm over at uh, Twitter is at Aromata Show, A-R-U-N-M-E-H-T-A-S-H-O-W. Shout out to all my fans in India on the Ghana app. You're now like one of my ma- major audiences now, so uh, it's a great uh, chance to have you Diwali to everyone there too. And uh, also, if you want to check me out on Tumblr, arrowmeta.tumblr.com. And if you want to check out uh, the show itself on the website, arrowmeta.co.uk. And you you can find me on all podcast networks, including Stitcher, Player FM, iTunes, and uh, various other places as well. And by the way, if you do find the Arrowmeta show on a particular podcast network that we haven't shouted out, definitely let us know and we'll shout out for you. So, All right. Now, guys, I hope you don't mind, but uh, I got a golden ticket to the Jack Daniels factory. Or I hope to erase my memory of all of what we've <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. So, if you want to follow me, uh, I am uh, oh, uh, I am Patricia Miranda. You can find me at uh, oldschoollane.blogspot.com. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash oldschoollane. Twitter at patty underscore b underscore Miranda. YouTube.com slash oldschoollane. I post my podcasts up on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, all those places. New episodes of the podcasts, uh, such as casual chats and old school late interviews, will go first, and then they'll be up in a few days on YouTube. Also, one more thing right before we close this podcast. Don't forget that we do have the polls up on which do you guys think is the best and worst of the Roald Dahl adaptations. Go check in the description box below for you to post your ranks on these movies. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being the lowest and 10 being the highest, you can be able to put your ranks on which of these adaptations do you think is the worst and which do you think is the best. So thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Uh, Tune in next time as we're going to be discussing about the newest Roald Dahl adaptation, and that is Roald Dahl's The Witches. Wicked woman, she got the moon in her eyes. Yeah, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Hope to see you around soon, and take care. Yeah, Take care, everybody. Ciao for now. (laughs) 